I almost missed the birth of our second child. And I think it was because when you have one kid and then you go into the hospital for the second one, you think you're a pro at that point. You're like, we've done this. So our first son was born and uh, my wife, you know, we we go to the hospital. We were in labor for like 20 hours. And when I say we were in labor, I mean mostly her. Um, I stood by looking helpless like I do. Um, But so you think, oh, we got plenty of time, contractions, you're timing things, that's how long it's going to take, we're fine. Um, So with our second son, when he was born, we get to the hospital, and I dropped my wife off at the front door of the hospital, and I went to park the car because we had timing contractions, she's in pain, and, and I knew it was going to be rough. She, she takes a couple steps out of the car towards the hospital, and then she's like, and then she's down like this, you know, and like does, and then tries to take a few more steps, and then she's down again, and, and the nurses came out, and they bring her like a wheelchair or whatever, and so I go in with her. And we check in, and they ask me all the questions, and so we're checking her in admitting her to the hospital because this is the day our son's going to be born. And then uh, I figured that, you know, we had some time because these things tend to take a while. And so we got in, we got her into the room, and they gave her an epidural, and she was feeling pretty good. And when, and when she had had an epidural before, often these things kind of slowed down. So I was like, you know, I've got some time. I need another battery for the camera. Also, I'm pretty hungry. I'm going to leave and go get something. So I left, and I'm like, enjoy your ice chips. I'm going to go get a burger. Uh, so I leave, I go get camera battery, and, and I'm out there, at, you know, checkers or rallies or whatever it was. This is in Norfolk. Um, I'm out there, and I'm getting a burger, and uh, I get a call. And they're like, uh, you need to be back at the hospital now. Like, this baby's going to be born now. And I was like, oh, so this is like, you know, so I'm hustling over there. I get there. I show up in the room, and it's on. It's, it's game on, right? And so uh, she pushes, and it, and it happens, and it happens quickly. Like, it wasn't like the hours of pushing. De- Declan, our middle son, was born in, uh, after about 20 minutes of pushing. I think, I think my wife actually pushed three times. The, after the second time, the doctor said, one more, and I think we're going to be good. And my wife said, this is fantastic, um, which is like is never said in labor and delivery. Like those words don't, aren't usually ever said about that process. Lots of other words are said, not those words though. She thought this was fantastic because it was just happening so quickly. And so I, I almost missed it because it happened so fast and I had to get back there and, and catch it. And I, I tell you that because I want to tell you about a birth story um, from 2,000 years ago. And there were lots of characters in that birth story, lots of people on the scene that you may have heard of, Joseph and Mary, angels, shepherds, wise men, King Herod. There's all these people kind of around this story, and uh, some of them, I think, missed it. They missed what was happening, and some of them almost missed it. And, and, and I want to look at that, and I want to look at how that affects us, because in our busyness of the Christmas season, and you're buying gifts, and there's like mistletoe, and there's Yuletide greetings, and there's, you know, hot chocolate, and wassail, and, and eggnog, and, and, and all of the, the stuff that goes on around Christmas with, with the ho-ho-ho, um, there's a tendency, I think, in the midst of all that for us to miss it, or almost miss what's really going on. And so I want us to look at the moment of of that birth and, and see what we can learn from it. And I want to talk about three kind of main people or groups of people. Number one, I want to tell you about Joseph. Now, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, meaning they were engaged, they weren't married yet. And during that engagement period, which lasts about a year, she, uh, she has a visit from an angel. An angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a child and we're going to name him Jesus. This is going to be your son. And she's like, I can't, I'm a virgin. And, and God says, it doesn't matter. This is God's kid. It's going to work. 
So she goes back to her husband. We, I told you about that a few weeks ago. She goes back to her engage, her fiance, to Joseph, and she says, yeah, I'm going to have a kid. And Joseph doesn't take that news incredibly well, uh, that his wife is now pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. Uh, and so let me read to you how this goes down. Matthew chapter 1, verse, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And th all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph almost missed Christmas Day. He almost missed the birth of Jesus because he wanted to walk away from the relationship altogether. And it wasn't until an angel appeared and said, stop it, don't do that, stay in this relationship, stay with Mary, uh, and, and, and he took comfort in that, and he ended up staying with Mary to, to see this thing through and, and be there. And I kind of feel bad for Joseph. Like when we tell the Christmas story, we always talk about Mary, and it's sweet. And, and they sing songs about Mary, Mother Mary. Just Mary's a big deal. We make the biggest thing out of Mary. And nobody remembers poor old Joseph. And maybe as a dad and a father, kind of bugs me that he's kind of left out of the story um, because he's taken on a lot there as well. He's, he's becoming an adoptive dad. He's, um, and his, his wife is giving birth to a child that's not his kid. And that's awkward. And you always see the nativity scene, right? And there's Mary. She's always dressed in blue don't know why, holding the baby, and there's Joseph, you know, there, beaming, you know, like, a, like, a, like an, an Olin Mills picture, right, or whatever, like they're at, they're at prom, and um, he's always there, but I, I don't know if that's the look he had on his face. I bet he was a little more perplexed than that. I bet he was like, he probably had that look like I'm going to get hit by a truck, because this child is being born in, in, in an awkward situation. It was weird for him. It was uncomfortable, he brings his fiance Mary, to Bethlehem to register for the census. And Bethlehem is his ancestral family home. So this idea that Mary and Joseph show up one night, and they look for a hotel, and they get kicked, and, no, and there's no rooms in the hotel, it's too crowded, and they get booted out, and they have to go give birth in a stable, is not quite right. Because they're going there, and, and the, the scripture doesn't say they showed up one night, and then the baby was born. It said they showed up, and after they had been there, the, it, it came time for the baby to be born. So they could have been there for a few months. And they're probably staying with Joseph's family because this is his hometown. And while they're there with the family, Joseph has to introduce his family to Mary, his fiance, who's pregnant, but by the way, it's not my kid. That's super awkward in the first century. And so there's this, this weird family dynamic going on. He introduces Mary, uh, and, and maybe when the time came for the baby to be born, they're like, mm, yeah, not here in the house. Go in the basement, which is where you would tie up animals. Um, and so it smells like manure and dirt and, and go down there and you can like have your kid down there if, if you need to. And that's how it starts, you know. And so it's, it's a weird situation for everyone involved and, and it was weird for, for Joseph. And in, in the modern world, I think we can miss the, the heart of Christmas because the whole thing just seems unbelievable. It's probably unbelievable to Joseph and it seems unbelievable to us. 
the idea that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. We know where babies come from. We know that's not how it works. And we are people of science. We are people post-enlightenment in the Western world. And we go, this is not how babies are born. This doesn't add up. There's something about the story that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. And you may feel that way today. And I totally get that. I also believe that's not how babies typically show up in the world. I just think they did that a baby showed up in the world that way this one time. I'm open to the idea of the supernatural. Now, do I believe that Mary gave birth, uh, uh, there's this virgin birth? Yeah, I do. I don't think that happens all the time. I think it happened that time, and I think it's a supernatural thing, and I believe that on faith. Can I prove it to you? No. I believe it on faith that, that it could happen. And I also don't think it's that hard to believe. Like, if you think God, if you think there's this higher power um, created the universe, and even, even non-religious secular sources have looked at the universe and said there's so much design here. There's so much intricacy in the way it all fits together. There must be some other power outside the universe that has made this and made it fit together so well. I'm not going to call it God, but there's something out there, right? So if a God can create the universe, suspend the stars in the sky, make our world function the way it does, I just don't think it's that big of a deal for him to bring about a virgin birth. I just don't, like that's small, that's small stuff for a God who, who created the universe. So that's kind of where I, I land with it. And so let me challenge you this. I don't want you to miss Christmas because you get cynical about the story and you think, oh man, what's going on here? This, this couldn't really have happened. I don't know, maybe keep an open heart and an, and an open mind about this because a lot of people around the world believe this. Um, and, I, and I don't know that you could say, oh, everyone's just delusional and has been throughout history. Maybe there really is something here in this story, that, that Jesus really was born uh, and the circumstances really were the way we've, we've been saying they are. So Joseph almost missed it. Let me tell you about a guy who did miss the moment, a guy named Herod. King Herod represents sort of the, the popular power of the day, the secular power of, of the day. And he finds out from wise men. These wise men come, they see the star, they come to, to Jerusalem to find out where Jesus has been born. And uh, Herod hears about it. And listen to how this goes down, verse 7 of Matthew chapter 2. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, that sounds super legit on the surface, but it isn't. And if you read on in the chapter, you see what, what, how this is really going down. Herod, these wise men show up, and they're inquiring, like, where's this king that was born? We, we saw this star. We want to find out about him. And Herod is like, oh, a king? Oh, you think a king has been born? Well, I'm the king, but there's another one that's been born? Cool. Um, let me know where he is so I can worship him. Herod's plan is actually, I'm going to kill him because... Herod has an extreme lust for power, and he's playing the political game, and he's threatened by the idea that some other person has been born as king. He's like, I'll snuff that out right away. And Herod represents maybe a lot of people today who, who are so blinded by power or their lust for power, who are so sort of wrapped up in politics that they totally miss the heart of the thing. I mean, and Herod was a politician to the core, and, and he was a really bad dude. When Herod died, he was getting sick, and he died in Jericho outside of Jerusalem. And as he was nearing his deathbed, he gave an order that throughout Judea, throughout the land, uh, important people from each town, important men from each town were to be gathered in Jericho. So he, he sent his 
his soldiers out. They gathered up important people from each city, brought them to Jericho where Herod was dying. And Herod gave the order, when I die, I want you to slaughter all of these men that are here from all over the country so that on the day of my death, there will be mourning in Israel. That's the dude he was. He had his own son killed. Okay, He was a rough Character. So if you think we have bad and corrupt politicians today, not like Herod, like generally not in this country like Herod was in that, in that time, right? And so he's, a, he's a, a bad guy who is blinded by power and politics and is missing the moment. And in, if I could make a, even a, a little modern application of that, there are people that get blinded by power and politics and they miss what the heart of this thing is all about. And they get so hung up on all the wrong things. Oh, people are saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. So what? Let them say whatever. Holiday's still Holy Day, right? That's still what that word is. So we, we got it. It's stuck in there anyway if you say happy holidays, right? It's still okay. Oh, people, people act like, oh, the birth of Jesus is really about refugees traveling to, in the Middle East and, and being, you know, not, not denied. They were denied entrance to, to the place they were trying to get. It's like, no, that's not what it's about. Don't get hung up on all of that stuff. It's about the Savior of the world being born here to die uh, for for all of humanity. And and people get hung up with that in the church. I know people who don't come to this church and who won't come to this church because they think it's full of Republicans. I know people who won't come to church because they think there's too many Democrats here. I know people who have left this church because they say it's too conservative. I know people who have left this church because they say it's too liberal. I'm like, y'all should meet each other. Actually, if you met each other, you would say it's too liberal, it's too conservative. You would think you're the only people in our church and that it's, oh yeah, that's the church, right? But that makes me think, oh, I don't know, maybe we're in the right spot here. Like, maybe if everyone's a little, a little uncomfortable, that's maybe where we're supposed to be. But people just get hung up on these things and they miss the heart of the thing. Jesus was born and he brought peace and hope to the world. Because he grew up... We don't celebrate his birth because a kid was born in the Middle East. That happened all the time. We celebrate it because he grew up and he died for our sins on a cross and then came back from the dead. The death and resurrection of Christ is really the thing. It was the arc of his life. It was where it was all going. That means when you sin and I sin, every time you've messed up, every lie you've told, every moment of lust you had this week, every, every word you spoke in anger, everything you cussed in your head under your breath at a coworker, at a friend... All of that stuff is sin, and it causes a separation between us and other people and between us and God. And when we sin, we aren't just breaking God's rules, we're breaking his heart. And God makes a way for us to be in a relationship with him again for eternity through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. In his death, he pays for our sins and covers over all of that. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is the savior of the world. So his birth uh, brings hope. And it brings peace and it gives us a way to be to live with him eternally. And at Christmas, I don't want you to miss that. That's really what it's all about. It's not about political opinions and all that other stuff or power. It's about love and hope that have come to earth. So Joseph, Herod, and then let me tell you one more group of people that were there at, at the birth. In Luke chapter 2, we learn about a pretty ordinary bunch of shepherds. And I want to read it to you, Luke chapter 2. You, you hear about uh, these shepherds that are out in these fields nearby when Jesus is born. And, and they have this like incredible encounter at Christmas, um, at, at this first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8, says this. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field by night, uh, out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. I can't read this and not think of Linus reading this to Charlie Brown. Uh, it's just, I, I, first time, when I went back and saw the Christmas special, I go back, I'm like, does it say lights, please? Because Linus says lights, please, at the beginning. Does it say lights, please, in the text? It does not. Um, but he says, I, I need a blanket, if I could have Linus's blanket up here. Uh, and the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds, okay, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and it has been told them. It's interesting, right? That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, you know? Like, the shepherds, if you think about it, the shepherds are, like, incidental to the story. Like, you wonder why they're even in there. Do we need shepherds? And their life is, I don't know, kind of boring. If you're a shepherd, I imagine that's a rather boring job. You look after sheep day after day, night after night. I would imagine most of the time it's, you're not doing a whole lot. 95% of the time, maybe you're just hanging out there. Maybe 5% of the time it's terrifying, like when there's an animal attacking, you've got like a stone and a stick or whatever, and you're like beating them away. I imagine that part's terrifying, but a lot of it is just same old, same old. And they're hanging out every night, and, they're, and, and every night's basically the same. You're looking after the sheep, making sure you keep track of the right number of them and all that. All the nights are the same except this one. On this night, an angel appears to them, and then a whole multitude of the heavenly hosts said, a bunch of angels appear. How crazy is that? And, of course, they're terrified, which, as I've told you before, that's, that's what happens when people see angels. They're terrified. And the angel says, no, don't worry about it. Here's, here's what's going on. I don't want you to miss this moment. The shepherds are told, I don't want you to miss this. Here, here's what's happening. Today, uh, a Savior has been born in the town, in town of David in, in Bethlehem. And so their response to that, after the angel disappears, they, they go, well, we should go check this out. I don't want to miss this. And they go over to Bethlehem. It says, with haste. They hurry over to Bethlehem, and they find Joseph and Mary, and they find baby Jesus, and they tell them what had happened. And They have this kind of moment together, all of them. And, and I think it's kind of interesting. Like, why are the shepherds even in the story? Well, I wonder if the shepherds, in some sense, just kind of represent us. Like, we're not... Us today, thousands of years later, we're not crucial to the Christmas story. We weren't there. and They're not really crucial either. They don't show up and bring gifts, really. They aren't delivering the baby. They're just plain people. And God shows up to them in a big way. And, and I think God still can show up to us today. Maybe he's not going to write in the sky. Maybe he's not going to appear to you as an angel, um, uh, you know, maybe it's a, culturally th some things have changed. But I guess my hope and prayer for you is that you see God in this season. That you see that this baby that was born 
can still be hope for the world and can still bring you hope and bring you peace, especially if you're not feeling very hopeful and not feeling very peaceful during this season. My prayer is that you will notice Jesus in the midst of all of this Christmas stuff. Our, our, our culture is so noisy around Christmas. I was sitting in a coffee shop this morning, and I'm preparing for this message, just kind of looking it over. And the songs that come on in the coffee shop, you've got like Michael Buble singing about White Christmas, which is nice. It's about, you know, getting snow at Christmas, I guess. Um, you had that one Mariah Carey song come on. It's just awful. I, don't, I won't sing it for you, but, you know, there's that one, and you're like, oh, when does it end? You know, and you, so you got that, and then Baby It's Cold Outside comes on, and then uh, uh, Frosty the Snowman comes on, which is about a magical dancing snowman. Um, it's also the plot of, like, a horror movie around that same idea. It's kind of weird. Uh, it's, uh, it's creepy, reanimation of inanimate objects. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Um, and then, and, I, and I'm sitting there kind of wanting to be cynical about it, you know, just like, uh, like song after song of just Festivus, of holiday, whatever, you know. And, um, and then Pentatonix comes on, and they're singing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And if you ever listen to the lyrics of that song, it is a weird mishmash of stories in the Old Testament and other things. It's just an odd song, right, like the lyrics. But... Man, you can't escape that chorus when it just sings hallelujah, hallelujah, which is praise the Lord. That's what that means. And I'm like, man, here in the midst of all of this Christmas noise, here's this beautiful chorus, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. And I guess that's my hope for you at Christmas is that in the midst of all the noise, you would, you would be able to, to say, man, praise God, praise God that he's done this, that he has shown up in the world. Praise God that Jesus is here today. The two things and then we're done. Number one, if you're, a, if you're not a believer in all of this, if, if this Christmas story sounds crazy to you, um, I, I get that. But let me just challenge you to lean into it a little more and, and, and ask questions and, and see what it's all about. Um, don't miss God in this. Don't miss the real reason for this entire season that we're in. We're not going to be here next Sunday at the Bird, but we will be back here two Sundays from now. And we're going to start a new series called ROI. We're going to talk about return on investment. And we're going to look at the way you invest your life, where you're pouring your life out into in 2018. And I think it's going to be really helpful because at the beginning of the year, we're kind of trying to calibrate around some things. And what am I going to do with my life, my time, my energy, all that? We're going to look at that over the next five weeks, starting two weeks from today. Come back and join us for that. And let's get into this thing and, and find out Okay, Jesus was born, the hope of the world. What does that mean for me in the way I live here and now? And secondly, if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus, I really want you to take advantage of, of this Christmas season because we don't, get, we don't get a lot of them, right? There's only one a year, and you only have so many years of life. Don't miss the moment of Christmas. Earlier this year, I got the opportunity to go to Q Conference in April in, April in Nashville. And Q is like TED Talks, but... If, 
in the Christian world, I guess. And so they have all of these world-class speakers come in from all over the place, and they do these nine or 18-minute talks. And I heard some fantastic stuff on all sorts of topics there. And there's about 2,000 people probably in the conference, and everyone goes and sits in these tables, and you hear these people speak. It's really good. Well, the last day of the conference, my friend Caleb was one of the speakers. And he and I were having breakfast, and then uh, Caleb, we walk over to the conference. He had not been to the conference. He just showed up for that last day. He and I are walking with his literary agent. And so the three of us are walking and uh, we're getting ready to go into the conference. And near the conference, there's a green room where all the people who are speaking can go into. So Caleb and his agent start to walk into the green room and I hang back because I'm not one of the speakers for the day. And I'm like, okay, hey, see ya. And Caleb goes, no, man, just come on in here. Come hang out. So I walk in with Caleb, and we sit down, and there's all these chairs. It's, it's a small room. There's these chairs around. We're sitting there. There's like a food line there or whatever. You can get some snacks, whatever. And one by one, all the people who were going to speak that morning came into the room. And I met all of them, but I hadn't looked at the program yet, so I didn't know who they were. So the first guy I meet is in a suit. His name's Steve Green. I'm like, nice to meet you, Steve Green. Hi. I look it up later. He's the CEO of Hobby Lobby. Okay, nice to meet you. Hi. The, then another guy I meet, Sky Jethani. Uh, it's an unusual name, Sky. I've heard of him. I know that name from somewhere. Can't place it. Nice to meet you, Sky. How are you? And he's one of the speakers. I'm like, ah, oh, he's great. It turns out he's like a pastor, Uber blogger guy, kind of known, you know, whatever. Then I meet this lady. She comes in. Uh, her name's Lisa Turkhurst. And I've heard that name, and I know who she is, but I can't quite place it. I'm like, Lisa Turkhurst. In, in the Christian world, there's like Beth Moore of like, uh, of speakers, women speakers that are just like super well-known, write all sorts of books. And then Lisa Turkhurst is somewhere in that like next tier of like really popular speakers. And so I've heard of her, but I don't quite know who she is. I'm like, nice to meet you, Lisa. And I sit there. And then the last guy walks in, and he's a guy, he's a little taller, he's, he's a little older than everyone else in the room, he's wearing a, a suit and a bow tie, and he introduces himself to me, he says, hi, I'm Ernie Johnson, I'm like, nice to meet you, Ernie, and I shake his hand, and I'm like, Ernie Johnson, okay, I don't know who that is either, and I, and I sit down, um, and do uh, you guys know who Ernie Johnson is? Let me put a picture of him up on the screen. That's Ernie Johnson, um, and he's on NBA tonight on TNT uh, with Charles Barkley and a couple other guys. And he, so he does a show. Uh, he's a well-known, if, you, if you're a follower of the NBA, you know who Ernie Johnson is. If you have the NBA video games, like NBA 2K, he's the announcer, the voice on the game, right? He calls the game when you play the video game. He call, so uh, that's Ernie Johnson. And I'm this far away from him, and I don't know who he is. And Tommy, uh, on our staff, uh, he's not in Nashville. I text Tommy, and I'm like, uh, I just met Ernie Johnson. And Tommy's like, I love that guy. And I'm like, I don't know who he is. I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, we're sitting there, because I'm just not a big NBA guy. So we're sitting there, um, and all these people start talking to one another, and I'm the only person in the room who's not, like, one of the official speakers. So I'm just kind of, like, looking around the room, and, and Ernie Johnson's talking to no one. He's, like, right here. And I'm just like, so what, what do you do in that situation? Well, you whip out your phone, you get on Facebook. This is what I did. I got out of the phone, I got on Facebook, I started texting someone, I'm like, ah, hi guys, you know, it's awkward. And so I started, and anyway, so I tell Caleb, hey, I gotta go, I'm gonna go sit down. So I go into the conference, I sit down at the table, I pull out my program, and I read who all of the people are that I just met. And I'm like, oh, these people are awesome. And they all get up and they do speeches, and they're really good. All of them, like, this is, oh, I just met that guy. Oh, it's so good, you know. And Ernie Johnson's the last one to go, and they interview him, and he's fantastic. Poignant, funny, interesting, um, great life story, cancer survivor, strong believer in Christ. 
And he tells this story of, in his, it's in his book, he's also an author, he tells this story of when he was playing Little League. And when he was playing Little League as a kid, somebody hit the ball over the fence. And the, the outfielder went and jumped over the fence, and he went to grab the ball. But while he was over there, he noticed a blackberry bush, and it was ripe and ready to, to take the blackberries. And this kid doesn't pick up the ball. Instead, he starts eating blackberries. And another kid notices that he's eating blackberries. He jumps over the fence, and they start eating blackberries together, and this becomes a thing. And Ernie said on stage, he said, it's the only delay of game ever in, in the history of baseball for blackberries. Like, it's the only time that that is delayed a game. And so the, the game gets delayed or whatever. And Ernie said, this became in our family like a, a thing that we would say with our kids or whatever is like, look, there are these blackberry moments in life, this little, little pocket of sweetness. And, and you have to pay attention to it and, and notice it. And then he said, and, and he talked about um, praying for a coworker who was also dealing with cancer in the stairwell one time. At, at work on, on the, at the studio on the set and he talks about that and he says there are these blackberry moments and if our head is in our phone we're gonna miss it we got to pick your head up and I thought he's talking about me I was with him just an hour ago and I didn't talk to him at all and I just put my head in my phone and I and he would have been a very interesting guy to talk to and I didn't do any of that because I just didn't know and I was like oh I'm just gonna put my head down Man, life gives us these little blackberry moments and we have to pick our head up and look around and notice or we're going to miss them. And tomorrow is one of those Blackberry moments. You don't get a lot of Christmases. You get some. However long you're going to live, you're going to get one a year. And so I'm 41. There will be 41 of these for me. And I don't know that I'm going to, you know, average life expectancy in America is 78, which means I would have 37 more if I go average. But who knows? I have no idea how long I have. Don't miss the moment tomorrow. Take advantage of this, of this time. Try this. Don't, don't Instagram anything tomorrow. Don't get on Twitter, Facebook. Just, just be where you are. Be in that moment and enjoy the blackberries that are around you. Um, and, and, and don't focus on all that other stuff and get all, all that kind of distracted. You've got you to gotta pick your head up. You've got to look up and see what's around. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, a German pastor who was part of the opposition to, hit, to Hitler uh, in Nazi Germany, he, he wrote this. I thought this was really good. He says this, Look up and raise your heads. Look up, you whose gaze is fixed on this earth, who are spellbound by the little events and changes on the face of the earth. Look up to these words, you who have turned away from heaven disappointed. Look up, you whose eyes are heavy with tears and who are heavy and who are crying over the fact that the earth has gracelessly torn us away. Look up, you who burdened with guilt cannot lift your eyes. Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Something different from what you see daily will happen. Just be aware. Be watchful. Wait just another short moment. Wait and something quite new will break over you. God will come. Lean into the moment. Today, tomorrow. Enjoy the time. Pray and thank God for the gifts he has given. Soak up every second. Thank God for the life he has given given. And, and, and don't miss this moment. Look up. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to celebrate the birth of your son today, that we can sing, that we can uh, reflect on Luke and Matthew's account of the birth of your son. And I, I pray that as we go through the rest of this day and tomorrow and carrying over into 2018, I pray that we won't miss the moment, that we will um, 
see the sweetness that it is and take advantage of it with, with, the, with the little bit of time that we have here on earth. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.